guys and welcome to another episode of connect and move radio i'm your host andy fortuna and today thankfully like always we have another special guest i mean to me every guest is special but this guy that we're going to be interviewing today and you guys are going to listen to is going to be uh it's going to be a good one on top of that before we get started if you are a practitioner um licensed massage therapist athletic trainer acupuncturist, physical therapist. If you like to work um, using manual therapy skills and movement programming, and you want to help people live a healthier and more performance-filled life, then I highly recommend looking into the three-day course plus the mentorship that I have created specifically for you. If you actually enjoy working with your hands to provide manual therapy and love helping people improve their movement, then this course is for you. We go into detail about practical manual therapy skills, movement programming, and energy and meditation work. Yes, energy and meditation work because we're really working with the whole and the wholesome of the body, of the body holistically. Uh, you can find more info on my IG page or at the description at the end of this podcast, at the bottom of this podcast. You can also uh, reach me at andy at myorenew.com. So that's A-N-D-Y at M-Y-O-R-E-N-E-W.com. If you're interested, I uh, highly suggest you taking the time right now and just pressing the little pause button on this podcast and sending me an email. Um, we do have a wait list going on for this course. Uh, we're only doing, we're only opening up for six students. And the reason for that is to be able to really have an immersive type of course and educational experience. Um, it's going to be a lot of one-on-one uh, with myself um, and with the rest of the students to be able to really bring in this educational and holistic movement, manual therapy, energy, uh, meditational work. Um, it's going to be a good time, three days uh, live course and plus the uh, three-month mentorship. So like I said, press the pause button, send me an email if you're interested. Uh, you can also go to my IG page. There's a couple links on my uh, link tree pa- uh, link on the IG page. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. We have a good uh, good crowd. There is an interview and application process. So like I said, make sure you get on that wait list and we'll get to you. All right, guys, looking forward to hearing from you. Now, so that I can formally introduce, uh, today we're going to be talking to Julian Arana. So Julian Arana is basically, uh, he started his career in the movement industry by teaching Krav Maga, the Israel system of self-defense and mixed martial arts. He went out, sorry, he went on to study exercise physiology and became a personal trainer in 2008. Julian opened his personal training studio, BFIT, in 2012. Shortly after graduating with a master's in exercise physiology, he and his two colleagues opened BFIT's second location. Besides his ownership duties for both Jin, Julian is involved in multiple other fitness businesses and works as a consultant with gyms all over the U.S. My man, Julian Arana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andy. I'm really happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Perfect, perfect. So, Julian, for those of you that do not know you, um, just give us kind of like, uh, I mean, we mentioned it in the intro, but kind of give us your your backstory, like why did you choose to become a personal trainer? Why did you choose to become or to open up BFIT? And then uh, what are the plans of BFIT? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was always a very active kid. I was the type of kid who you know, my, my mom had to tell me to come back home when the sun went down because I was just outside playing sports, being active, running around, making up games. 
uh, that was just came naturally to me. And that proceeded all throughout high school and adolescence. Uh, so when it came down to going to college, I really didn't know what I wanted to study. Uh, but I, I wrote this in an interview the other day. Uh, I think I picked physical therapy because it had the word physical in it. <laughs> I really didn't know what physical therapists did. Uh, I had a vague idea, but I mean, you know what it's like to be 18. So, um, so I started on a, on a pre-physical therapy track in my undergrad. Uh, and then one of the students who was already in the graduate program for physical therapy actually advised me that I should study exercise physiology because the people who had studied exercise phys actually were better prepared for the, for the graduate program. So I said, cool. I mean, that sounds even better because I was always into exercise. I started uh, strength training when I was 15 years old, just kind of on my own. And I've always been very disciplined about that. Uh, so I said, awesome, you know, win-win. I get to study exercise, uh, study the science behind it, uh, and it'll make me better prepared to be a physical therapist. Cool. Uh, so long story short, I started taking my uh, upper classes in, in uh, exercise phys, and I just fell in love uh, with with the material. It, it was super easy to me, super interesting. Um, something I never experienced before really with school, not too many times, uh, but I really just fell in love with it and, and started studying and asking questions and applying everything that I was learning to my own training. And while I was doing that, I was actually teaching martial arts. So I was teaching, I was, uh, first I was a student in Krav Maga, which is the Israeli uh, mixed martial arts slash self-defense system uh, that all Israeli soldiers have to actually uh, learn when they're in the army. So everybody in Israel has to go through, through the army. So they all learn it. Um, so that was that was a really cool experience. I was I was doing that. I was training a lot, um, and then shortly after that, I became a personal trainer. Uh, it was actually part of my curriculum at school. You had the opportunity to become a trainer. I was like, all right, this sounds even better. Uh, and then I, I kind of transitioned out of martial arts and into training people at gyms. So after a couple of years of training people at gyms, uh, I realized that there was such a fast turnover in trainers you know like these big box gyms would just have new trainers almost on a weekly basis and there was a lack of organization uh you know some of the trainers were qualified most weren't there was just all over the place um so after a while of doing that i you know i started picking up clients i was i was pretty serious about it i was, I was naturally good at it as well because i was passionate about it i was always working out myself uh so after a few years in that i somehow gained the confidence to say, you know what, I'd like to start my own studio, which mm -hmm. uh, when I think about it in retrospect, you know, I, I knew nothing about business, like literally nothing. We're, we're going to go into detail about this, I hope. But uh, yeah, so it was just like this naive, I was 24 years old and I said, I, I can do this. I can open up my own gym, blah, blah, blah. I really didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> uh, but the idea was sparked in me. And then with the, with the help of a few people, uh, I, I started Be Fit. Uh, pretty much threw my life savings into it, uh, struggled a whole lot, but somehow made it happen. <laughs> you saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I was I was always very confident that it was going to succeed. Like it, when people ask me, like, what, you know, what made you so confident? I, I just I never thought about failing. That That's really what it was. I just this has it wasn't to, an option. It wasn't an option. It was just this has to work. So that's pretty much the, the mindset I had. And then everything was just learn by bumping my head against the wall <laughs> along the way where'd you do your undergrad in exercise phys uh i started at fiu okay so you're a fellow panther so you started there but you didn't finish there no I did, did. I did i did i have my uh, bachelor's from fiu but then i get, I went to graduate school at um 
Um, so you did your exercise phys masters at UM. Can you tell us a little more like about the program? And then um, I guess what are some, because there's some uh, listeners that are thinking about doing exercise phys, you know, or doing like a strength coach background. Uh, some have asked, you know, should they go into, uh, should they get more certifications, you know? So having someone like yourself that not only has done a bachelor's and a master's, has, you know, looked for other certifications, what's the um, benefit Right. What's the pro and I guess the con too of going through graduate school for exercise phys? Well, the the main reason I went to UM specifically was because uh, the director of the FIU exercise phys program, who was my professor, he taught basically like seventy five percent of the classes. He had moved to UM, Brian Biagioli, and this guy is brilliant. You know, he's he's I consider him a a mentor and just one of those guys that you aspire to some somewhere you know sometime in the future be a percentage of what of what he's accomplished brilliant dude so when i learned that he had gone to um i was toying with the idea of you know what i want to go to grad school i want to learn a little bit more i want to dive deeper into this um and it was it was an amazing decision because i was i was transitioning into grad school as i was starting be fit and then the awesome thing about the program at um was that you you do a lot of classes that are uh, about entrepreneurship and starting facility management and all the options that you have. And they really go through an in-depth process of what it really is like to start a gym um, from branding to marketing, to hiring employees, to what the market is actually like trends, all that stuff. So I was actually learning that stuff and applying it directly firsthand. Um, so th that was invaluable, ob obviously for me, but mo more importantly, so I think, yeah, go ahead. So you basically you basically you were you were starting the business, so you were starting to see maybe some faults, some things that you had, you can improve on. But you know, then the graduate school or the graduate or the master's program allowed you to kind of fill in the gaps, you know, fill in the bubbles, and be able to uh, pivot when you needed to, and give you these tools that otherwise didn't have. Absolutely, absolutely, and and it gave me the opportunity to ask questions and run ideas by not only my professors but the classrooms. I got to present my ideas, which was a little scary because. Everyone else was doing like mock businesses that we were working on <laughs> and, and they were presenting like, oh, if, if I were to open one, I would do this. And then, you know, we'd all critique them. But for me, it was like, for real, like, <laughs> this is my idea and this is my name and this is my tagline and, you know, like, go, like, just rip me to, to shreds. But <laughs> it wasn't too bad to criticism. That's, I complain. that's, that's funny because I had the similar experience going through uh, AT school as a master's, right? Because at that point, thankfully, I had found you guys uh, BFIT. So for those listeners that don't know, um, my Renew, my uh, movement and recovery clinic is located inside uh, their second location, uh, BFIT Biscayne. Um, so as I was going through the master's program of uh, ATC, like you said, we would go, there's this, it's really one class called uh, profession, it's athletic training professionalism and athletic training i forgot the name of it mm -hmm. but anyways it's it prepares you for like the practice side entrepreneurial side maybe almost like actually it was administration that's what it was administration professional administration and athletic training so as we started doing these budgets and uh like layouts for a facility um it's like you mentioned it was more so i was I took it more serious because I actually had, yeah. right? I had a practice. I had uh, somewhere to kind of put everything I was learning to. So that's interesting that you uh, that you mentioned that. Yeah, it was great. And then another another thing I would highly recommend about um, going to a good program is uh, it just forces you to level up. You know, um, 
one of the well, the uh, negative drawbacks of being an entrepreneur, and we can go into in depth with this later if you want. Mm-hmm. But I think is if you're not an insanely driven person, um, you, you can easily just fall back and and get comfortable and kind of relax and not push yourself as much as you would be pushed externally. So when I went to grad school, like there was some really smart people in my program, the PhD candidates and, you know, these, these brilliant kids, and I had to keep up with them. So it forced me to just level up and study harder and, you know, give presentations and read scientific studies and just go to a whole nother level that honestly, I, I, I didn't know existed had I not been put into that situation. So that again was also invaluable. And then, and most importantly, I met my colleagues that I would later go into business with and a lot of other people that I still have contact with. So from a networking point of view, it was, it was something that was a no brainer to, to pursue. Um, I mean, now that we've kind of entered the realm of uh, obviously exercise science and then more so for a strength coach and somebody in that realm that's looking for, you know, I mean, there's always certification, there's always courses, but you, I don't think you hear a lot of, uh, other coaches saying, hey, you know, well, going back to school, although it's an investment, yeah, you're going to learn um, how to um, program and how to uh, better kind of uh, regress and progress on exercises. But what you're saying is the the really valuable and priceless stuff that you're going to learn are like the networking, like the business side, administration, it's uh, the connections, um, and even the push, like you mentioned, being able to be surrounded by people that are just either the same level as you or much better, which again, I don't think a lot of people talk about that. So having you talk about this, it's, it's really good to hear. Yeah. And uh, don't get me wrong. I learned a whole lot about like the actual science. Um, but in this day and age, knowledge is abundant. You can get information anywhere if you really want to. There's so many books and online articles and resources that you can get. Um, but how many people actually go through that if they're not forced to? You know, so yes, you get all all of that um, foundational anatomy, biomechanics, exercise, phys. A uh, lot of learning how to how to read scientific articles was is obviously it's something that's so fundamental if you're an exercise or, or movement professional. Um, so that was something I learned in graduate school. So the technical part of it was was amazing and fun for me. Like that part was fun, but when I think about it, you know, now having graduated five six years ago. Uh, I think about the way that my life progressed because of graduate school and the things that really stuck are the networking, those contacts, you know, my business partners, like those things are changed my life. So now that we're getting into it as well. So what, I guess some, uh, some of the listeners might be thinking, okay, cool. You went through a master's program, but what makes you different from someone that doesn't go through a master's program, but you know, knows their things or knows their stuff about how to work with clients and how to, uh, really get their results. And, you know, they didn't go through a master's program, but you know, business wise, and they have good connections. I guess my question would be is what makes a qualified, uh, personal trainer, a strength coach? Well, I think the, having the humility to, to understand that you never know enough, you know, you, your continued education is just, it's a must in this industry. Uh, things change so fast and there's so many modalities, so many methods, uh, so many good coaches with anecdotal uh, experience as well. Uh, so I think first and foremost is having that humility to say, I may know a lot, I might have studied and I might have this knowledge, but there's always more to learn. 
So conversations like this, conversations with colleagues, like the ones that we have all the time uh, and, and other coaches, definitely a big thing and then continuing to read. So honestly, to, to answer your question, if, if I would have, and, and I know some people that have done this, they've gone to graduate school and they, they think, okay, I have a master's in exercise phys. Like that's a big deal. You know, um, employers are going to love me and this is awesome. It's like, you're not done studying. <laughs> you're not done learning. You know, you may have graduated, but um, I think that's, that's a fundamental thing is to always read, always learn, uh, practice with yourself. A lot of people, um, you know, you have two, two ends of a spectrum. You have the people that have the theoretical knowledge and have, has never done it themselves or, or have maybe haven't trained clients. And then you have the people that have trained a ton of clients, but they never actually read about the science behind it and they get kind of set in their ways. I think a nice healthy balance of the two, you need to have experienced some of these things for yourself. And then obviously you want that experience of training as many, uh, as, a, as big of a diversity of clientele that you can, you know, learn from everyone that you work with and, and continue just refining your practice. So would you say it's important to have, uh, possibly have a coach for a coach so for example as a personal trainer or strength coach to have another strength coach that um you possibly either work with as far as like learning from or maybe even training having them train you or uh whatever it is just to kind of bounce back ideas and just to learn their philosophy and their way of uh training and uh programming for clients absolutely absolutely the more that you can get in the environment of, of other smart coaches, or I would always, I, I like to say, and, and this is a popular thing, just like the um, business world and the, you know, self-development world, but just be the dumbest guy in the room as, as much as you can, you know, like hang out with people that are way smarter than you, that, that have more experience than you. Um, I would highly recommend for coaches to work with other coaches. Um, and there's something really important about you being in the position of the client. Because if you're in the position of a client, then you have a much better understanding firsthand of what the client experiences when you're working with them. And sometimes we tend to forget that. So I think that's very important as well for you to be a client. I think that's that's something I learned more so within the last year as I started to, one, for me, I always learn better from people. So uh, a lot of people ask me, why do you keep going to school? Why are you going back? You must love school. Um, it's not so much that I love school, but the opportunity that you get, uh, kind of like you mentioned earlier, of being having the opportunity to learn something new every day for you know every time you know you're able to ask questions when you're outside of class when you're outside of that realm even if you're just not um, having that repetition or uh, repetition of asking question or learning if you're just kind of like business 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 and clients client clients you stay in that bubble right you kind of don't you almost, it becomes stale. Um, well, and what I've learned within the last year, similar to what you're saying, Julian, is that um, becoming, understanding what it is to be a client or a patient in my, in my, uh, in my case is super important because you get to see that perspective is like, okay, for example, for cueing, right? Movement cueing. Like, um, I mean, we worked with the same uh, mentor and coach over the last year with uh, Aracelia. She does Opti system, which is a lot of like strength and movement, neural programming. Um, so when I was working with her, it was a lot of stuff that was really simple. And she would tell me to do certain things. And I was like, what the heck? Why is this so hard? Right. But if someone with my experience through a master's, through a bachelor's as an athlete, I don't know. I don't necessarily know how or what she really wants from me. Imagine somebody that has no idea 
uh, that someone that just works uh, works at office all, the entire time may have some ailments. So understanding that perspective, maybe even the queuing side is important, but also what they're feeling at that moment. Um, and a big one that I, I, to jump on top of that is paying for someone service is crucial because then it gives you the perspective of what somebody feels when they're paying you, right? So, so a lot of times somebody uh, might not understand the value, right? You might put a, a set price to your training or to your uh, coaching and programming. And the other person might be like, oh my gosh, that's too expensive. But then you experience, right, the same type of caliber or sometimes not as um, uh, good of coaching that you may uh, be providing. You're like, okay, my what I'm worth is definitely more than this person or vice versa. You know, you start to realize... Um, the almost this, yeah yeah the even the psychology of paying for service and understanding that mindset because a lot of times it's just getting the person to understand okay um what you are going to be providing and the value that i'm getting from you is well worth what i'm paying so um definitely having that coach and having that mentor i think is super super important not only as a learning experience but also almost like a business version for sure. I, I totally agree. And I'm glad you brought it up because I had the same exact experience. And, um, you know, you, you start doing this long enough that it, it feels like second nature to you, right? You know, how many, mm-hmm. you know, th- tens of thousands of squats have I demonstrated, right? But, <laughs> but, but then you work with a coach and they teach you something simple and, and new, like you said, and you realize that when you're learning something new, you're still, if, if you're aware and you're mindful, which you should be, you're thinking about so many things, so many variables and, and so many different things that your body's going through. And you realize that if, if the coach throws too many things at you, there's no way you can implement them all because you're, you can only focus on so many things at once. So one of the things that I learned from working with a coach is don't throw so many cues at my client at once. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, they're already overwhelmed. Just, just being in the gym, doing something new with you. And then on top of that, you're going to, you know, you're going to cue six different things when they do a squat um it, it, it's not as effective so a lot of my strategies changed because of the things i learned when i was working with a coach and that was and that was a big one yes i mean i feel it's like it's super important i think sometimes too we get caught in the rat race of trying to make more money you know how's the business doing am i getting enough clients that sometimes even in my feel and it is technically you're paying as an investment and it feels like you're not getting anything out of it monetarily but what you get as an experience and what you get as part of uh as far as an education and what you can provide after the fact is the roi or the return of investment is um might not be monetary favorably like physically monetarily but uh what you're able to provide after that is so much more um a question i've always had what's the difference between fitness and strength and conditioning and they might be the same thing yeah i think with strength and conditioning um I, the, the master that I did was also in strength and conditioning. So it was a lot of it had to do with the aspect of sports and training athletes. Um, so I think when the, the term strength and conditioning for most people, especially people in this field, um, you, you're training athletes, you're training people to get stronger, more explosive. Uh, there are components of fitness that are, are very basic. And then I guess strength and conditioning, you take things to another level. You, you must have the foundation of fitness, um, you know, aerobic capacity, basic mobility and stability uh, and strength in order to start implementing a more strength and conditioning uh, type of program uh, that's more more geared towards athleticism and, and more complex movements. So fitness has to do more, 
I guess it's like your cardio, your, you know, strength and stuff like that. But strength and conditioning has to do more like athletic, more like athletic involvement, you, yep. you're saying? Exactly. And there's no reason why a, a, an average Joe that has no fitness background can't join a strength and conditioning program. But, um, you know, that whoever's teaching that program has to be aware that there, there are prerequisites. You know, you don't just throw someone to do a, a push press or an Olympic lift or, you know, something extremely athletic without a ton of foundational work. And that's where the fitness component comes in. You know, I would say fitness is where, you know, a, a large uh, sector of the industry, your, your your boutique studios, your health clubs, your group X classes, all that catered towards the fitness field because most people don't even have the foundation. So mm. that's where, that's the starting point. You know, the, the fitness components are a starting point and then you can progress from there. But I, you know, this is something that you and I both deal with. People try to jump too quickly because of the whole stigma of go as hard as you can. Like fitness is all about like giving, you know, giving it your all when you're in the gym, just busting your ass every time you're in there, uh, going till you puke and blah, blah, blah. So people try to, you know, they, people don't have the patience needed to, to truly make adaptations, physical adaptations at the rate that the body can make them. You know, your, your body's not a machine. So you really have to be patient and understand that before you do whatever the complicated exercise that you maybe you want to do, or you see people doing on Instagram, there's a whole lot of months of, of training to get your body prepared for that. Otherwise they're going to be meeting with Andy and meeting with physical therapists, you know, for, for dealing with an injury. Absolutely. I mean, so just to kind of review fitness is almost like the beginning stage. And for a lot of people, it's kind of like where they stay at. Like you mentioned the, the boutique, the hit, the boot camps, um, the classes, um, and then as you start to get better with your fitness, right, and even movement, foundational stuff, which we'll talk about now, um, you start to transition more into like the advanced, into the strength and conditioning side, where you start to kind of manipulate certain variables and complexities of movement and stringing things together um, and becoming more so athletic in a sense. Exactly. Absolutely. And then and then you can take it a step further if you're dealing with athletes and um, and you know, you have your strength days and you have your conditioning days, or you might have to do them both at once, but they're two totally different things. It's not like this mixed, uh, model as, as it would be in like a fitness class. Um, mm -hmm. and, and everything has a purpose. So a good strength coach, you know, programs with purpose, there's periodization. Uh, and there's a whole lot of things that pertain to only athletes because you have to take into account the sport, the specific sport and the, um, demands of that sport. And then the season, are you in season? Are you off season? You know, what, what's the purpose of the program, which is not something that we do with the general population as much. Periodization. Can you go like, just kind of give us a brief, uh, description of what periodization is oh, for great, the listeners? Man. You're making me talk about things I haven't studied in a while. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, but brief. Periodization will be like setting up blocks where you are going through specific either micro or meso cycles. You're, you're splitting up your training depending on what you want to do. So you would start with like a preparation or hypertrophy phase. Um, and that has specific components to how that should look. And then depending on the coach or the method, it might be linear. It might be undulating. Uh, but Basically, you're playing with the rep ranges, the volume, the intensity uh, for a specific amount of time. You know, it could be eight weeks, it could be 16 weeks, and you split it depending, again, on what you want to do, whether you're off-season or whether you're in-season, um, whether you're in a strength phase, progressing to a power phase. But usually it goes from preparation phase to hypertrophy, then strength, then power. And again, this is preparing the athlete for, you can't just go straight into a power phase. 
because that's, you know, it's, you're doing such complex explosive movements that the body may not be prepared for that, even if you're an athlete. So mm -hmm. we might have to start you with a preparation phase, go in through a hypertrophy phase, and then, you know, move it along that spectrum. Got it. So it's almost like you get the the whole year. It can be a, a year. It can be a couple of weeks. Let's say we uh, uh, just to kind of give the audience and the and the listeners uh, some type of visual. You split the whole year into twelve months. The first three months are are preparation. The second uh, three months are hypertrophy, or it can be shorter. The first three weeks are this. The you know yeah, whatever it, it is. It's usually you split shorter. It there are specific parameters based on on science. Uh, okay. And it's usually like two or two weeks at a two to three weeks at a time of each phase. So. Got it. Because, for example, like a strength phase shouldn't go for no longer. And again, don't quote me on this. I haven't read in a while, but a strength phase shouldn't go more than two or three weeks of like real strength work because that okay. we're seeing diminishing returns after that. Got it. So let's go into this foundation that you were talking about. And this and the foundation is something that I like to uh, myself when I work with clients and uh, with patients is this foundational realm that... Uh, I work with mostly uh, maybe transitioning into some strength conditioning, but at that point they're pretty much good. And they're either working with someone like you, uh, Julian, or uh, in some of the classes at, at BFIT. Um, but, you know, talk to us a little bit more about this foundational side that you were talking about. Yeah. So when you take in a client, you know, the personal training has always been, and when, when, when people come up to me and they say, well, what should I do? These are my issues. These are my goals. Um, well, personal training is, is valuable just because you, you really, people have taken the word personal out of it. And, and it's a shame because it really all is dependent on the individual. So, and you know, this in your practice as well, when somebody comes to you and they let's say they sit at the desk for nine hours a day, five days a week, maybe they exercise a little bit through three days. Like there's so much information that I need from the client. And then there's a lot of, there's, there's assessment that I need to make from a movement standpoint to see what's going on with this person. So before I say, okay, I'm going to put you on this program that I put everybody on. Uh, first, let's see, you know, let's learn a little bit about your history and see, you know, what's going on. Uh, and then based on that, then we can give a prescription. Um, but that being said, the fact that obviously it's, it's not a cookie cutter, everything is individualized. That being said, there are certain things that everyone should be working on. Um, and th those are the important components of fitness that, are, that are, would be the foundation that will just make you better at everything that you do. And those would be strength, um, first and foremost, uh, mobility, uh, stability of, of your joints. Uh, you need some level of flexibility that goes hand in hand with mobility uh, and then an aerobic base. So those are the things that a good trainer or a good class should be establishing as just as a foundation. So strength, mo uh, mobility, stability, and then we said aer aerobic, aerobic, right? Yeah, aerobic capacity. And that's just like uh, being able to do something for a long period of time or for a certain uh, period of time with good form. And does that what aerobic be considered as? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously cardio, would, uh, doing cardio would improve your, your aerobic base, but also high intensity intervals and even weight training as well. Um, but, you know, the aerobic is important. You know, and sometimes people think, especially a lot of a lot of guys who want to uh, gain muscle, they think, well, I don't really want to worry about that cardio stuff. Like, I don't need, I don't want to lose fat. Uh, I don't want to lose my gains. I, I want to be strong. Uh, but the problem is, the the bigger your aerobic base, the quicker you can recover in between uh, sets if you're doing weight training. So um, a lot of times, somebody may have perfect form on an exercise, but they don't have the aerobic base. So then, by their mm -hmm. third set, 
you know, they're, they're fatigued and then they're compensating and doing things wrong because of fatigue and because they don't have their aerobic base, it might be super out of breath. Um, whereas it's not a strength problem. Maybe it's not a mobility problem, but it's a, I'm just freaking out of breath. And, and that, <laughs> that's why you would need the, the aerobic. And then of course, uh, if you're a cardiorespiratory system and health, it's, it's super important. That that was me today uh, during the box and burn class at BFit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. By the third round, Gina had us do. Uh, it was basically you were doing jab crosses uh, into the into into the bag, but speed. Literally, you're going as fast as you can, and literally, it feels like it feels like three hours. But oh, it's yeah. literally thirty seconds. Uh, within the first five six seconds, you're going fast, right? And then all of a sudden, you want to go fast, but it feels like <laughs> like molasses, or you're just like yeah. boom, boom. And then after that, you know, you feel. But like you said, as now, as I start to do that more, now I get that uh, that speed becomes a little bit quicker and also becomes a little bit longer lasting. I don't get as tired, exactly. um, which means I can be able to produce more force, produce more output, whether it's with more weight um, or just being able to do a certain exercise for a long period of time, whether if it's an endurance runner or like you said, uh, someone that's doing powerlifting or a strength-based exercise. So endurance and strength uh, play a part together. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's one of the biggest, uh, I mean, you work with active professionals uh, very often. What are the biggest, um, I guess, issues? I don't want to say issues. Uh, yeah, I guess issues is the best word that yeah, I can come up with right population. now. Yeah, like the person that's, you know, been at a desk or, you know, has a nine to five job and mm -hmm. they want to get stronger, they want to get uh, more flexible and they want to lose some weight. Like what are the biggest issues? Uh, I guess your top three. Yeah. Uh so I know the expected answer would be like, oh, they have tight hip flexors or weak glutes and blah, blah, But I think it's even more important to just state the fact that it's that the biggest problem with people is a lack of consistency, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, you can give someone a perfect program, but it doesn't mean anything if they don't do the program. So what happens with people is they go through these, you know how in, diet, in nutrition there's yo-yo diets? Yeah. They like really wants to diet down for their wedding. So they try this new fad and you know, they do it for three weeks and they lose a little bit of food, mm -hmm. but then the wedding comes and, you know, they go back to their regular eating and then it's just like yo-yoing on and off. Right. So same thing with exercise. People do this all the time. I see it so much. They want to, you know, get in shape and get stronger. They know they have to do it. They know they're out of shape. They start something. Maybe they go for two weeks, three times a week, four times a week. They're into it. Cool. But then week four, something comes up. You know, out of a sudden, it's one time a week. Now they start making excuses, rationalizing for themselves. Before you know it, it's been three weeks since they trained again. Now the body deconditions really pretty fast when you're, when, you know, when you haven't been training for a long time. So then they start all over. It feels like day one all over again. And then they go through it again. And then they might either stop because life gets in the way. And I'm not saying that's an excuse. I don't think it's an excuse at all. But um, that's one of the reasons I'll tell you. Or because they haven't seen results quickly enough, which is it, it goes back to the lack of patience that I mentioned before. They have unrealistic expectations that after three weeks of doing this five days a week, I need to, you know, have lost 10 pounds already. You know, so I, that if, if anyone takes anything from this podcast, it would be that that, that lack of consistency. I, I've said it before and a lot of other exercise professionals have said it um, as well is better to do a mediocre workout six days five days a week six days a week than to do a perfect one twice a week or once a week you know once every couple months like and people are always looking for that solution like what's i just need to learn like the perfect way how many days of weight training how many days of this or oh, is my form perfect it's like 
just do something, move, you know, go outside, take a walk, you know, do some body weight squats. Again, the resources are there. It's just that lack of consistency. The don't go two, three weeks without doing anything because then you just, you're, you're. Yeah. I mean, you see this a lot in, first of all, it's easier. I guess it's people uh, gravitate more towards fitness than they do actual when it comes to like therapy, right? People don't want to do therapy. It's like, you have to like pry people in to be able to, Hey, you have this shoulder issue. You uh, need to work on it. So you, oh, yeah, I'll take care of it. Drink some ibuprofen here and then. But, <laughs> but when it comes to fitness, health in general, I, I mean, especially as a health practitioner, um, these are similar things that we, you know that we have to deal with, right? Someone that comes in, they only want to come once a week, or they only want to come once a month, and uh, want to make sure that their shoulder gets better. Um, you know, it's been two weeks. Why isn't you know my pain better? You know, uh, and then you ask them, what have you been doing? I've been doing my exercises, and I've been uh, doing this when I know I shouldn't be doing it. Well, there you go. Or and also too, like you said, unrealistic expectations. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure the. Uh, to those listening, what they were expecting was, yeah, poor hip mobility, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, improper movement. But in reality, you hit it right on the head. You know, it's the lack of consistency, right? It's the lack of patience, right? It's, and it's the unrealistic uh, expectation that um, you are going to be this uh, supermodel that you see on TV, right? Or this CrossFitter that's been doing this for the last six years and they got to this point, right? That's why they're doing all these movements with the amount of weight that they're doing, Um but then I then again it then it creates the value uh, for having a coach for having someone like you Julian to be able to guide them through and what I tell people all the time uh, even as a as a therapist most people can get better on their own most people can work on these things on their own but what happens is is the accountability aspect of it right it's the uh, inability to really create discipline. So when you have someone like a coach that you can go to um, and work with two to three times a week to really help you, um, yeah, they can program for you, but what they're gonna, they're going to give you is that support. They're going to give you um, the that, that accountability. They're going to give you that slap in the wrist when you are not doing what you're supposed to, right? Um, and I think, I think some of the listeners right now that are like, eyes wide open like uh that's kind of me right now <laughs> it's everyone you know it even happens to us coaches every now and then yeah. um but i think uh, this is a really really important point I'm, sh- I'm i'm happy that we're talking about it i think a fundamental issue is that humans we we have this tendency to want to solve problems right like we want mm-hmm. our problems fixed and we don't want to hear that you know well it's complicated you know there are a lot of variables like there's a lot that goes into it so you know, this must be more frustrating for you than it is for me, because um, when it comes to dealing with pain, you know, my shoulder hurts. Like, I want the answer. What is the answer? <laughs> Give me a diagnosis right now and then fix me. And it's like, well, Google, Google, it Google be, told me this. <laughs> yeah, it could be 80 different things. And actually, the problem I start stem from your hip. What? Yeah. You know, and, it, and, and the same thing when it comes to fitness, it's like, well, why are we doing pushups? I don't want to develop my chest. I just want to do legs, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, it, it doesn't work that way, but you have to, as, as the client, as the person learning you, again, you have to just open up your mind and trust the practitioner that if you're going to them with, with a problem, um, we're going to work hard to try to find a solution, but it's not, it's never black and white. You know, you never just get a person saying, ah, I know exactly what's wrong with you, this, and this is going to fix you. You know, there's, there's a lot of po- possibilities. Sometimes we may have to 
uh, work between a team of like an orthopedic doctor, a manual therapist, and a personal trainer or a strength coach to figure yeah. out and help that person because it, it could be very complex. You know, and, and as a practitioner, the more the, the deeper you dive into this, the more you realize, holy crap, like I don't know anything. There's so much more to, to learn. Um, so I think that's that's something that if if more people knew, then they'd be again, they'd, they'd have different expectations. They'd have the patience and they'd have the trust in their practitioners and their coaches to say, I came to you with a problem. I'm going to at least see this through. You know, I'm going to at least trust what you say and we're going to try this out and we're going to I'm in it for the long haul. And there are clients like that. I'm sure you have patients like that as well. Yeah, you know, th <laughs> thankfully, um, there are the good ones that help you kind of um, keep the faith, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mellow out the ones that you really have to work uh, a little extra on. But I mean, the thing is, too, sometimes when you have the conversation with clients or patients is they know this. You know what I mean? But they're just expecting a different answer. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's it's partly ignorance and it's partly uh, social uh, social conditioning, right? Because you turn on the TV and you have this new belt that it shakes right on your belly. And guess what's going to happen? Your belly is going to be super strong, six-pack abs. Welcome <laughs> to the club, right? Or you're in pain. Drink this pill, but also be careful with vomiting, diarrhea at the very. But nobody, actual benefits. It's like this thirty-minute. Um, it's a it's a one-minute commercial where forty-five seconds of it is all the contraindications and all the side effects. But you know, it's the really fast-paced kind of like, uh, really in-your-face type of marketing in the beginning with the at the end. You know, a lot of people are conditioned that way. But well, with that yeah. with that being yeah. said, they still you know you have to be a a responsible consumer, right? And understand um, there's that there's good and bad of everything, but also understand there has to take work to do certain things. If not, if it was that easy, then everybody would be jacked or you know moving really well um, and have these tremendous uh, at, at, you know athletic bodies just walking everywhere and have zero ailments you know what i mean for sure i, I mean there's I, I used to give a presentations uh with bifa with with sam and scotty and we used to um the one part of the presentation would say that we, we live in a paradoxical society because everything is instant gratification right you have mm. amazon prime and you know everything on demand and you want food you can get it in 20 minutes and everything is delivered that way but mm -hmm. unfortunately this is what i tell people the body does not work on instant gratification like it, it i'm sorry and, and it, it's not you can't blame people because we're, like you said, we're conditioned to want something and get it relatively quickly, you know? So everybody's going to fall or a lot of people are going to fall for those gimmicks of like, this is the thing. This is the secret. This is the answer to all your problems. And nobody wants to hear that. Here's the answer to all your problems. Discipline yourself for two years. That's, that's the answer, you know? And, and the amazing thing about it is like when you understand that, when you truly understand it, A, you stop seeking solutions like secrets or, or like something that sounds too good to be true uh you stop seeking things like that uh you start developing yourself and building good habits and then after a while you know all your all the results that you wanted eventually are going to come but it's going to take some time and it's it's a product of that compounding effect of every day doing a little every day just doing a little and, and disciplining yourself that's really if there is a secret that's it but it's not easy and like you said that's why you don't see all these people walking around um, with these awesome physiques and people having so many problems because 
and you, you can't blame people. Uh, the same thing is with, with the food industry. It's like uh, everyone knows what they're supposed to eat, but we're bombarded with advertisements and, and pressure to, to eat other things, highly palatable things uh, all the time. So you have to have a really strong willpower, a really strong purpose to, to not get caught up in that. Absolutely. I mean, discipline is, is big and something that I've, I've really uh, kind of jumped into and really tried to learn and understand is the neural side of things, right? And it's the psychology uh, version of it, right? Because, yeah, you can be really good at helping someone physically, but how well can you equip somebody to really handle stress? How well can you really... Um, I mean, really what we're talking about when we talk about consistency, patience, and expectation is the mindset, Absolutely. right? It is, is how is somebody approaching certain things, whether it's a kettlebell, whether it's pain, whether it's movement, whether it's stress, whether it's how they're dealing with stuff at work. Like, how are we equipping, equipping, equipping um, patients? How are we equipping uh, or developing our clients to be able to handle that? Because if, if, if what we're trying them to trying to get them to understand is how to provide more consistency, provide more patience, and provide for more of a better expectation, then that means we have to work with more than just the physical. Absolutely. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's by far the most important thing is, is the mindset and the psychological aspect of it. And you don't know how many people I see that run, go through our gyms or go through our doors every day, and they're just going through the, the motions. They're not focusing whatsoever on the exercises. They, they've been doing the same exercise, but they, they don't know. They don't, they're not aware of what muscles are being engaged or, or they're, they're not in the moment. Uh, maybe they're still thinking about what happened at work or what they're going to eat for dinner after or whatever. Um, and, and it's the same thing when it comes to exercise. You know, we have to, as personal trainers and coaches and practitioners, we have to really, you know, it, there's a lot of psychology involved. I always tell new trainers, like, you should probably read more psychology than, than exercise physiology, <laughs> you know, because if you can get a lot of the, the, the problems can be, I wouldn't, I don't want to say fixed, but helped um, by just developing a, a, a different mindset. And, and to, to piggyback off that, uh, a lot of the problems that people have is it, problems with like self-worth, self-esteem, um, not thinking that they can do something, self-sabotaging. And if, you know, you could, you could be the best mover, you can have reached, you know, whatever goals you had set for yourself. But if you're still sabotaging yourself and you're still thinking negatively and you don't know how to handle stress, and you have all these psychological issues that are bugging you, um, that you're not going to be healthy. And you know that, you know, you've, you've been studying the, uh, you have a very holistic approach to, to health. And I mean, how important is the mind? It's everything. It's, it's, again, what I'm starting to realize is, um, and I mentioned this in other podcasts and in, po and in posts and blogs and every day when I talk to somebody, is ever since I got into this field, I was, uh, and you guys would tell me all the time, like, Andy, man, you're always doing a, a continuing education. I was like, yeah, I love that part. You know, I get to really understand how to work with my hands. But what I started realizing is most courses do that. Most courses teach you the uh, hands-on, the physical component. Not many courses teach you how to um, how to teach somebody or how to create the conversation of self-worth, how to create the conversation of of um, 
capability, like having that person really understand what the capability is. Because, yeah, it's cool. They have you for that hour or hour and a half or 30 minutes, however long you're working with them, either a patient or a client, the strength and conditioning coach. But what happens after that hour? Well, there's 167 hours in a week. Cool. One out of those hours are with you. What happens the rest of the 166 minus eight hours, eight, six to eight hours of sleep? You know, I'm not good with math, but anyway, subtract that by 166. It's still a whole lot of time that they're in their own head, whether it's uh, stress, whether it's um, dealing with kids, dealing with family, dealing with, uh, God forbid, uh, um, a health issue um, or tragedy or whatever, or just, you know, your own ability to not compare yourself, right? Like what I went through, uh, really what we all go through, but uh, the last um, seven months, right? I went through really deep anxiety and depression stuff, which I'm really thankful that I went through because it gave me the perspective of, man, this is a really something that's a lot more serious. Yeah, you hear about it. Hey, mental health. And you hear about um, really, you know, meditate. Awesome. Cool. Throw all these words that people may understand, but how are you teaching them how to really use that as a tool. So like I mentioned, like over the last year and a half, um, which is really what guided me into doing acupuncture and oriental medicine is they really look at the body and the person as a whole. Like, how are you sleeping? How are you dealing with stress? Even to uh, poop and all that stuff. Like all that makes sense. It all, everything is, it's not just, how are you moving? Okay, you have pain in your shoulder. Awesome, I'm gonna treat this pain in the shoulder. No. Yeah, there is also sling system, your hip and your left shoulder. But how are you, you know, what happened to you when you were like seven or eight years old and, and how you reacted when your parents went through a divorce and how you went through when you know, this tragic incident? Now you become this different person because now how you see the world becomes that. Okay, is this going to happen? Or how you handle stress now becomes a little bit more distorted because now you have compartmentalized yourself. Because for you to be able to handle certain situations, you have to act a certain way, which makes you a little bit more tired or restricted in certain ways or how you, you know, it just, there's so many things when it comes to that. So what I started realizing is a lot of these courses are very physical. Now, many of them are very mental or holistic in a sense, which is, we'll talk about uh, a little bit after about the course that I created, but um, the mindset is huge. I mean, like, for example, the biggest thing people are coming with uh, to see me for pain is not necessarily, yeah, they might have some mechanical issues and very rarely is actual structural thing where there's like uh, strain or a sprain or, you know, God forbid is actual like ACL or something like that or meniscus. But most of the time it's apprehension. Most of the time it's them being scared to do something. Like they happen to have an injury three years ago and guess what i don't want to do a squat because the doctor told me i don't i can't do a squat or you know well the last time i did a squat this happened and i was like oh really so you can't squat so how do you go to the bathroom (laughs) (laughs) so how do you how are you sitting right now sitting uh talking to me you're squatting yeah you're assisted in putting weight on this chair but your knee's still going to 90 degrees maybe less uh or more sorry into um flexion where typically when you're going to a squat, your knee starts to bend was where people would have to have pain. So that approach, that mindset thing, that um, tool of getting that person to understand what they're really capable of, whether in movement, whether in being able to handle certain stress, right? Whether giving them certain breathing techniques and understanding why they're doing that. And not just, hey, give uh, whenever you're stressed, squeeze this ball and breathe uh, 10 breaths and you're good to go, right? That's not good enough. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can totally relate to what you're saying. And I see it all the time. I mean, people have their own personal story that they've told themselves their entire life. Uh, and, you know, we, we can't just change that. And in those one to three or four hours a week that we see them. Um, but a lot of people limit themselves. Like, you don't know how many clients come in. I would say most clients that I work with day one, they just say, I have, for some reason, it's always coordination. Oh, I am the least coordinated person ever. I have zero coordination. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I, I promise you I've seen worse, you know, like just, just try the movement and you know, it's, it's going to look shaky at first and then it's going to improve, but it's that story that they tell themselves. And it could be something as like, um, you know, harmless as I have no coordination, but it could also be like, I'll never be strong. Oh, me? Mm -hmm. oh, that's not, that's not for me. I'll never like do this better. Or, um, and it's a, it's a self-limiting belief that you almost have to break them out of that, which is extremely difficult. Number one. And number two, we, as much as I talk about psychology, we're not psychologists and we're not therapists. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you, you also have to watch how much of that you, you intervene with, but, Another point I wanted to make before I forget uh, regarding to what you were saying about like continued education and stepping outside of uh, your professional comfort zone is, you know, that quote about uh, when you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So listen, you are the, you are the third, at least fourth person that I've heard that from in the last week. So no way. <laughs> holy cow, I swear. I'm like, what the heck? Like, Jesus. Well, anyways, what you're, what you're about to say is going to be gold. So go ahead. So this happens all the time where, you know, I, I, I tell people to be cautious with what practitioner they go to, because if you go to a surgeon, more likely than not, unless they're, they're extremely educated, open-minded, you know, their, their surgery is going to be an option for them. Obviously they're surgeons. If you go to a physical therapist, they have their way of doing things. You go to a personal trainer, they're going to want to strengthen and cardio and this, you know, and it's like for somebody, this is why I admire you so much because you, you've chosen to, to do something where seemingly it's like, it's just kind of outside of your practice, right? Like acupuncture and, and uh, Chinese medicine and all these things, but it's not, you know, if, if you can learn to see the body more holistically, then you have, again, that, that professional humility to say, um, and I've had to do this before, you know, you, a client comes in, they're either in pain or they're, or whatever. It's a time for a regular workout. And it's like, uh, I see the signs that like, they're extremely stressed. They're sleep deprived. They maybe they had a horrible night. And whatever workout I had in mind goes, goes out the window because today is not the day to push you hard, you know? And that, again, that has to do with us as professionals having the humility to say, um, I might be like the strength guy, but strength is not always what this person needs. Like what this person mm -hmm. needs. And I do this all the time. Like you need to go get a massage. You need to go take a day at the spa. You need to like, you know, incorporate just very simple meditative techniques because I know that. And again, similarly to you, I learned this from personal experience that, um, you know, you, you, you're not a machine. You can't just go hard all the time. And, and you, what you might actually need is something that you're not comfortable with at all. And it might be something more, uh, you know, like a meditation or relaxing. Uh, your central nervous system might be fried. You might be sleep deprived. So the more we learn about holistic approaches and, and the various ways that the, that the body engages with its environment and with, with stress and and just biological function, the more that we're prepared to say, I see the signs of this. And like, maybe my toolkit doesn't work for this person right now. Maybe this person needs to go see, you know, this other practitioner, uh, an acupuncturist or a manual therapist or an orthopedic doctor or whatever, you know, enter whoever would be qualified to see that person. But, you know, again, it had, 
you can't fix it all yourself. You have a limited toolkit. And that's where the network that we talked about earlier plays a part. It's not just in the strength realm, but having a network. For example, I know other massage therapists. I know the other PTs. I know other strength coaches. I know you guys. That thankfully, I have the opportunity to work with such a great team uh, like I do at BFIT, right? All these strength coaches that really understand the not only the strength side, but how to really understand how to work with somebody with movement, you know, and if they're having certain issues, what to go about and how to go about it. That network is super important for yourself to use personally, but also um, for your clients because part of the experience that they're coming for you is more as a guidance support. Maybe you may not know the questions, but if you know the person that does, you basically get 50% of that referral as far as uh, like the credit for that referral. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and that's a tricky thing because it's, it's hard for, um, you know, when you, you reach a certain level and you feel very confident in what you do, but it's hard to not let your ego get in the way and admit to the patient or client that, listen, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what your problem is. Um, you know, I, I, it, when, I tell people all the time, like, I'm not a pain guy. I, yeah. this is not what I'm like well-versed in. And when, I, when you feel pain and it's consistent pain, I'm going to refer you out to somebody who does deal with pain. And it's sometimes for people, it's very hard to like, check their ego and say, I don't know the answer. Uh, I'm going to refer you to someone who might. That's such a powerful statement right there. Having the ability to say, I don't know. If your practitioner has the, uh, for lack of a better word, the uh, uh, strength (laughs) to say, hey, you know what? I don't know. To be honest with you, for a practitioner, that's that takes a little bit. It takes oh, yeah. almost like, you know, cause because you work so hard to be able to help people to be able to tell, you know, somebody comes to you and you say, or maybe you work, you've been working for this with this person for a couple of weeks or years or whatever. And you say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what's going on or I don't know uh, what I can do, but you know what? I can refer you out to this person uh, and start a conversation. Um, and if a practitioner tells you, I don't know, and they able, and they're able to get you to the person, uh, to help you out, you are with the right person because the, if somebody tells you, oh yeah, sure. I can, I can help you with that. Two weeks later, you're still in pain or worse. Um, then it's that person's fault. It's actually both of your fault. Yours for not, um, understanding at that point, certain things, but also for that practitioner for not uh, having the humility to be like, I don't know how to do For sure. I mean, it's, it's just not in my scope. At that point, you're, you're judging that person's character, not their technical yeah. skill. It's like, wow, this guy maybe like lost the opportunity to make more money off of me because I can mm-hmm. just tell you, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Like we're going to get to the bottom. We're going to figure this out. Like just keep coming and, you know, we're going to get to the bottom. You know, so I, this person missed out on opportunity to make more money off of me because they really are interested in solving my problem and helping me. Yeah. Even if that means, you know, stopping with me and going to this other person for a couple of weeks or, or however long it takes. So sometimes, you know, again, your your integrity and your character is much more important than your, you know, your the technical skill that you might have. I mean, for any of those coaches, any of you coaches right now that are listening and um, really, really, again, there's been a lot of information, a lot of valuable stuff being said in this episode, but you really need to understand right now and have and check your ego at the door. Like if you, you'd be surprised how appreciative your client and patient will be when you say, you know what? Listen, I've done this. We've gone to this point, but now I need you to go see this person or we need to figure out who's your who's the next stop is. Because right now we're going to just be spinning our wheels or we're actually not going to be doing any good. So but 
what tends to happen is that person, what I found uh, in my case, almost 10 out of 10 uh, the times, they come back. For sure. And guess what? For you sure. you you found the solution for whatever reason. They, they you know you weren't working with them for a few weeks. Um, uh, actually, sometimes some few months. You know, um, but when they come back, or you know what, you know what happens? They refer somebody to you. Their husband, their wife, their daughter, their cousin, their friend. You know, you know oh, you need something? I'll go to this guy. Because what? Because now they know they can trust you. Because if at any point, if you can't help them you know where to point them in, in the, or what direction to point them in. And that by far is one of the biggest things you can ever provide for somebody. Because other than that, if they need to find somebody, guess what? They have to go to Google, Google reviews. And if it's trying to look for a provider, they got to go through the insurance catalog or trying to figure out who's the pain. You know? Now they know that you can be able to provide that support and that guidance, you know, so that, you know, make sure that if it gets to that point that you check yourself at the door and you're providing, at the end of the day, we're providing a service for patients and for clients, and that's part of it. Yeah, and, and I think people can sense that. I, I've gotten that a lot, and and I, again, I'm I'm your patient. I've I've gone to you many times for treatment, and I can you can sense when somebody really truly is listening intensely and wants to figure out what's happening and wants to do whatever's in their power to help, and when someone's just like, just another hour, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just making this much per hour. Um, so it's something that even sometimes, uh, it's not a, like a spoken thing. You could just sense it and feel it. Um, and then another thing, a point I want to add to that is, uh, going back to my previous point about you practicing what you preach, right? The more that you have personal experience, um, like the reason I bring that up is because I've dealt with a lot of injuries. Like, I don't know if you remember when you first, first met me that you wanted to do some work on me for free to like kind of, you know, yeah. prove to us what you could do. And before you were even working at BeFit and I yeah. like, yo, so, so what's going on? And I, I gave you like a list a of 12 list. things. Like, well, I had this and, I, and you're like, you looked at me like your eyes opened up and you said, uh, okay, uh, well, we'll see what we can do, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I was like, give me the one thing I can help you with right now. We go from there. <laughs> so uh, my point with that is that I, I have the personal experience to, to tell clients when they're dealing with, with injuries or pain that, listen, when you're active and you're pushing your body, things are going to happen. You're going to get injured. You're going to have pain. You're going to have tightness. You're going to have soreness. Um, it happens to all of us. So not moving is never an option. That's what I always tell people. Forget about that. Let's erase that. So now we have to find something that your body is receptive to right now. You know, so you might have a pain here or there, but we'll work around it. We'll do something else. Um, and we'll try to figure out other ways that you're, you're, you're either less in your pain or you're move better, more efficiently. We get the, the work we need to do uh, done without, you know, you being in pain or making the matters worse. But I only know that because I've gone through it myself. You know, I, I always experience some sort of pain somewhere. And then I start learning from it. I start shifting and listening to my body. And, uh, you know, because I have that personal knowledge, then I could, uh, I could tell my clients, like, this is the way it is. Like, don't, again, don't have the expectation of, uh, oh, once I get strong and mobile, I'm good. Like, I'm going to be this resilient person. I'm never going to get injured. I'm going to be good to go. And it's like, that's not the reality. The reality is life happens, you know, and, and you will get injured at some point and you will have pain. It's just being smart about what to do with that pain and continuing to move and still be consistent in other ways and just seek out the right help. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you, you find that a lot. And then the opposite of that is 
somebody that's in pain or having an issue, right? Fire versus fire. And they just keep going harder. You're like, oh, you know, go by two weeks later. Still the problem. Keep going, you know, push through the pain, push through the pain. Cause you know, if I really want to achieve this, <laughs> I got to push through it. Yeah. Right. And, but a lot of times too, people use fitness, um, and, uh, um, you know, working out as a stress reliever. So if they don't have that, then what, you know what I mean? So oh, sometimes I'm glad you brought that up. Because, you know, as we're talking about like an active professional, somebody, you know, uh, and it, this happens to anyone, people use working out martial arts as a stress reliever. Um, but sometimes that modality that you use or the tool might not be the right tool. So at that point, yeah, you're going through a class or you're going through uh, a workout, you're in pain, your body's telling you something, right? Um, yeah, I understand that that's a, a point of stress relief for you. But what happens when your body can't hold on anymore? What happens to your knee after a while when you start to have pain and then you don't, and you can't go to the class? What happens to your stress then? So now you don't have that outlet rather than understanding what's going on, either, you know, asking your coach or asking a provider, hey, this is what's going on. You know, what can I do? Um, nip it in the butt as fast as you can. Take care of it as fast as you can. Not the no pain, no gain style that is way so like it's ancient um because then what happens is you start to work on it little by little figure out and modify when you need it just like julian was saying there's always movement that you can do right always i haven't found one injury or one pain point that i I was not able to create some type of modification for the person to be able to do either a class or something you know i mean even in a class you have knee pain there's so many variations of a movement that you can do to be able to work out um and then if for whatever reason, for that given point, there isn't a modification. All right, then you skip that. You do another core exercise or whatever it is. There's always a modification. Now, what happens if you take uh, take advantage or or should I say, um, you know, take that take that issue and don't really do anything about it? Then it becomes worse. Something you could have dealt with earlier on by modifying certain things and doing something you love, like working out and doing a class. You know. You're now what happens, you've hindered yourself, right? Now you created a bigger injury where now there's no modification. And now, you know, now you have to go to a doctor and the doctor says, Hey, by the way, uh, you can't do anything. You're you're up for surgery. Now now what do you do? Yeah, and it's all because you didn't listen to the signs that your body was was telling you. A lot of people yeah. see their their injuries as like an enemy, like they say, like this stupid knee or like my freaking ankle. Mm-hmm. Like, like what's going on? And it's like your body, your body is just responding to uh, whatever you're putting it through, right? It just responds. It's not good or bad. It's neutral. So if you have a problem in your hip, it may have been years of overuse of, of somewhere else, or maybe the fact that you have some problem in your feet that you never diagnosed. But it's, you know, your body gives you a sign, and it's up to you to listen or not listen. And sometimes it's not about what you want. Like you might love taking that high intensity class four times a week because it does amazing for like your stress relief and for your mental clarity and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes you just have to accept that the body's giving you a sign like, Hey, you're, you're overloaded with work. You're not sleeping well. You know, maybe you're a single parent, blah, blah, blah. List goes on and on. Your, your system is fried. You're like on the verge of like a, like a serious injury, you know, and it gives you a little sign, like a little ache in the knee, you know? So you can, you can either take that as a sign of, okay, I should probably, you know, either cut back or take a rest day or maybe not go as intense uh, whatever that might be, if you're aware, you'll listen to that sign. Um, but most, like you said, most people, they're, they're, they're stubborn and they want their, you know, I, I love this. I want to keep doing more of this and that's fine. But 
you have to understand that sometimes you don't, you don't get what you want. Your body gives you a sign and you have to listen to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, guys, this is a fitness strength coach professional telling you this, not just another therapist or practitioner saying, Hey, you know, take it easy when you need to. I'm actually as trained trainer as an athletic trainer. I tend to be more on the uh, proactive side rather than the conservative. If you can stay movement, if you can stay doing whatever activity you can do, perfect. We're going to keep you in the game as possible. But sometimes, just like Julian said, sometimes it's, you know, tickering back a little bit, deloading a little bit. Instead of going four times a week, going three. Instead of going three, maybe two. Finding that happy medium and allowing your body to really adapt to whatever it is going on. It might be an injury, like, or it might be like Julian said, you're not sleeping enough. You know, you have a lot of family issues that are going on um, and going harder feeding fire with fire putting more gas to the fire is not gonna help it's actually gonna hinder you sometimes doing less is more most of the time better is better and less is more yeah i mean and you hit it right on the head yeah and and one thing i could say from probably 16 years of pretty consistent weight training myself and just training high intensity in general is that the, the the most important lesson i've learned like from just maturing is, is have keeping recovery in check always. So the way that I structure my workouts now personally is if I have a a hard day scheduled for tomorrow, but I sleep bad or I, you know, I work late or I have a like overloaded with clients or um, I could just sense that my body's just not feeling it. I'll, I'll skip that. I won't skip a workout, but I won't go hard. Maybe I'll do like mobility, something a little more aerobic in nature. uh, And then, when I'm feeling good, then I'll go and I'll, and I'll hit it hard. So everything is always in tune with how's my body feeling. You may have this plan, but maybe it's just not in the books today. No problem. I'll get it done tomorrow. It's, it's not a big deal. But um, recovery and sleep is something that's just uh, the importance can't be understated. And it's something that most people in our society struggle with. And, and understandably, you know, no wonder. But, you know, you, you really have to keep that in check. If there's one thing that you should always, always focus on is sleep recovery relaxation i love that you're into meditation and that kind of thing because um it's the number one thing that people need nowadays that they don't get enough of just like doing Mm -hmm. nothing being quiet letting their body relax like we're overloaded all the time 24 7 almost you know um so you really need to keep that in check because many maybe it won't happen in a year of training but by year six guarantee you you keep going hard you don't sleep you don't recover you never do any mobility at all like the injury is coming i can assure you that i mean if you guys are not writing this down or saving this or doing something record i don't know you guys are doing yourself a disservice not only as a coach as a fitness professional or even a you know a physical therapist practitioner massage whatever it is even as a consumer someone who likes to work out who's active, loves the ability to be able to jump in a class, to do certain activities, whatever it is, recreationally. This is a principle that, like Julian said, is cannot be understated or understated because just as, again, we're not telling you something as complex. We're just saying, hey, listen to your body. It's okay, cool. You like to work out four to five times a week or you like to play hockey three times a week or whatever it is, or you like to do this, whatever. Awesome. We love that. We want you to stay active. But sometimes, sometimes it's not necessarily what you're doing on the field or in the class. It sometimes is 
what you're doing outside. Like, again, stress and how you're handling certain things. Um, and sometimes, too, what, you know, the type of intensity and, and the volume that you've been doing over the last few weeks or last few months. So understand your body, being aware of it, and then, you know, make a decision. Cut back a little bit, do a little bit less if you want to go in that day. You know, if you're feeling sick, you're feeling sleep deprived, you know, maybe uh, skip that day and get some good night's sleep and then bring it back the next day. So, I mean, like I said, you guys really need to listen to this last piece because it was so, so important. And I can't say enough uh, how important that was. Um, I mean, just to kind of preview what we talked about, um, we went through... Let me look at my notes here. So we went through not only your uh, background, Julian, as a uh, going into this field as a strength coach, as a personal trainer, going through graduate school to be able to uh, not even, not only um, level up on your education, but you what you ended up seeing is that you leveled up on your business side, which we're going to talk about now. You leveled up on your network. You leveled up on stuff that not many, I don't think not many personal trainers and strength coaches think about when they're entering the field. They're thinking about, okay, what's the best program? What's the best philosophy? How can I get this athlete or how can I get this person from point A to point B the fastest time? How can I be the go-to coach? So I think that was super important. Uh, We talked about the difference between fitness and strength. We talked about um, the qualities of a personal trainer uh, and or or should I say of a good strength coach and a good personal trainer. And then we talked about the difference, like I mentioned, about fitness and strength conditioning, but also the foundation and how it's important to have strength, to have mobility, to have stability and the aerobic capacity to be able to perform at the level that you want to. Um, and then this last segment that we went into is the mindset, is the mental side, is the uh, consistency, the patience, is the expectations that we put on ourselves um, and the importance to be able to handle those things. Um, and then the last part here as well is the recovery, is the, the, the body awareness, being able to understand where you're at, how your body's reacting to basically what you are putting it through and understanding can I push harder or should I take a day off or should I, you know, actually, can I, should I bring it down a notch so that I, so that I can do more the next day and continue to progress? So make sure that you guys are really tuning into this episode because whew, we are going deep. And it's, um, we get, now, that, yeah, now, now that you go through all of that, I realize that we could have talked about each and every one of those topics for like an hour and a half or two hours. There's so much to be said, but you know, yeah. It's, it's one podcast. So. <laughs> we'll yeah, we're trying to do our, we're, we're trying to do our best. But what I want to talk about here is the business side. I know you wanted to kind of touch base on that. So, you know, give us a little bit of that. Uh, yeah. So uh, and it, this is this is good because even a lot of people that go to our gyms don't really know um, like what exactly is going on between um, like the owners of BeFit and and who's in charge of what. So uh, we have two locations, one in Miami Lakes uh a personal training and small group training studio and then we have bfit biscayne on biscayne and 50th and uh, that morning side area which is where andy uh works out of uh also uh, uh, high intensity interval classes strength classes uh one-on-one training and of course you have the added benefit of of andy with a manual therapy uh these you know we got we got the whole the works um so uh basically it it was me, myself, and and my partners Sam Simpson and Scotty Johnson. Uh, shout out, <laughs> great guys. So um, we all started this game together, and and then eventually, as things started running more smoothly, um, we kind of each picked uh, one project to work on, 
Uh, and then we each have our staff that works with us in our particular project. So um, Sam runs Biscayne. I run Miami Lakes. Uh, and then Scotty's actually working on a project up in Pembroke Pines called Hitbox 305, which is a boxing high intensity interval. It's boxing and, and you know, full body workouts, uh, which is a program that we all helped develop. Um, so he's doing phenomenal over there. Um, so, you know, we started together and well, I started on my own and then I linked up with them. Um, we did Biscayne together. Uh, that was uh, that was years of learning and struggling and trying things and um, teaching every class ourselves and working 14 hour days. Um, and, you know, Andy, Andy knows a little bit about that struggle. He, <laughs> he experienced it with us. Um, but, you know, as we learned, we were. We were all ambitious. We knew we wanted to do something great in the industry. Uh, but more importantly, we were patient and passionate enough that we we didn't go into this for the money, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> um, because you really don't make any money for a while when you, you know, we didn't have like investors or anything like that, um, like these giant inventors throwing money at us. So um, a lot of the work we had to do ourselves, a lot of the money we had to put in ourselves. Um, but after a while, you know, things started picking up. Uh, and then we decided that things were running smoothly enough that we can each tackle our own project. And then we meet every week and we discuss our vision, our goals, how the gyms are doing, what's working, what's not. Um, and, and basically just trying to advance and grow and learn and, and keep making a positive impact in the community. So you have basically three monsters to go in. Well, one, one really big monster and then I mean, I would consider all three of them monsters, but what would be, what has been the hardest thing that you had to face going through this business? I mean, you mentioned earlier that um, they don't really teach you business, you know, even, again, even for me and myself, they don't teach me the business. Side. A lot of stuff that I had to learn, I had to either find mentors to kind of go through trials and tribulations. Um What's, what's the, I guess the biggest thing that you had to kind of conquer? I think uh, with any business, not just uh, in the fitness industry, I think the uncertainty of entrepreneurship is something that not a lot of people can deal with. You know, um, I, I've struggled with that myself a lot, and I know my partners uh, have as well. And um, I don't know any entrepreneur who hasn't, but that uncertainty of like, you didn't pick a career where you're like, you're promised a pension and you have a salary and it's a set salary and you know, you got a good job with good benefits. Like, there's none of that. Like this is either going to work or it's going to fail and there's no guarantees, you know, and, and just because you're good doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily succeed. You know, you miss, you know, it, it could be a timing issue or, you know, it could be a super saturated market or whatever. There could be a thousand reasons for you to, for you to fail. So that uncertainty that like, you know, I'm trying to advance my career, but I don't really know when that like payout is coming or I don't know what's going to happen in, in five years, I have my plans and I have my vision and my goals and all that, but you know, you really never know. And it's not until you start having these little wins that you realize like every win is like a reassurance that you're on the right track, you know, but again, you're not, you're still not, still don't have like the, that promised salary and benefits and all that stuff. But you know, the little wins give you more confidence and the confidence give you more, you know, uh, just that reassurance that you're on the right track and you're, you're doing something great and that you, you went, you followed your heart and you're passionate about what you do. You're making a positive impact in the world. And, uh, and that just keeps you going, you know? And I, I mean, that, that's the struggle we went through the most. And now we're at a point where like that's past us and we're a lot more confident in what we do and have a lot more experience. But you know, when you're in your twenties, 
Uh, <laughs> and like you said, there's no like roadmap. It's just, like, yeah. It might not work. So you just have to, you know, take it day by day and, and do your best. Yeah. Even now there's like uh, how to grow your own gym in 90 days or whatever it is. And put in whatever market there's like a how to now but even then even those how to's are little templates there's not very there's so many like julian said there's uncertainty right because those courses or those things are general right it's not to say your specific specific area how are you gonna what market you're gonna uh reach and how you're gonna get clients so um you mentioned something as small wins i think as an entrepreneur i think sometimes because we're looking so far ahead and trying to project, sometimes we don't notice those small wins. And it's like Julian said, it's, it's those small wins that kind of keep you going. And it's almost just as important to to notice those small wins, but it's also important to kind of look back and reflect like, wow, this is where I started. Here's where I am. And this is where I'm going. Sometimes we get so like tunnel vision that we're just looking straight ahead and it might seem like we're never getting anywhere. But then when you look back, you're like, wow, I went from this to this i went from no clients to now a full schedule um so i think like julian mentioned those small wins are big that's that's so important that you said that man because you know that's that's the dark side of ambition you know ambitious people they succeed they go very far in life they make a big impact but if you don't stop to reflect on what you've already built then you're always seeking the the future win without really realizing like Wow, I've I've already done a lot. You know, I have to be grateful for what I've already done and and be be very happy with it while at the same time looking at the future and still keeping that that hunger and that ambition to to want to do more. That's a that's a really really good point. I'm sh- and I'm glad you said it because it's something that a lot of ambitious people don't realize. Like they always want more. Yeah, it's the opposite of complacency. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they're they're both they're they're both in a sense uh not good right you have to be a balance you want to be ambitious but you also want to understand where you're at right now but you don't want to be too complacent to the fact that where you're not pushing your business forward and you know changing because times are always changing you know experiences are always trying to evolve um, i think another important thing to add to that is uh comparison you know like they say the comparison is the chief is the the thief of all joy and you just took that yeah exactly exactly you compare yourself to like other people in your industry or and of course you an ambitious person always compares themselves to the best and you're like my god this person like they just they don't sleep they are always on it they're on the grind and they're working and they've accomplished so much and it's like that you're not them you have your own journey you have your own story you know and and you don't know deep down inside what's going on with that other person so you know you have to really stay grounded and stay focused on your journey and not look at other people's successes and, and compare yours to theirs. That is so important. I mean, part of the reason why I went through what I went through about seven or eight months ago, um, um, you know, depression, anxiety, that whole feeling of, you know, cre- getting yourself worth from other people, um, partly due to like social media and what I was doing through Instagram. But it's also comparing yourself, especially as a business owner, you're saying, okay, why are these person, why are these people doing so good? What do they, what do they have that I don't? But what tends to happen is people are coming to you for a reason. So there's an experience or something that you're providing that people actually like. And what happens when you are so distracted about what everybody else is doing around you, you, you almost neglect the people that are um, providing you the opportunity, the opportunity to do what you get to do every day. Um, and that's one of the things that I started to realize is that, man, I'm looking to my left and to my right always, but I'm not looking to where I am right now. I'm not 
again, yeah, I was focusing on patience and stuff like that, but really in the essence of it, I was so focused on trying to push my business, trying to make sure that my army was doing well and what were other people doing that I wasn't, how can I do it better that I wasn't, I was missing the boat on what I can do and what I can improve of what I was doing. You know what I mean? So comparison is a big, uh, like you said, what would you say it was? It was the, the, the thief of all joy. Yeah, 100%. And I cannot agree with that more. And I think as a, not only as an entrepreneur, but also as somebody seeking uh, better fitness, better health, we all have our own journey. We all have our own road and our own path. Yeah, in entrepreneurial, you can say that, but you can also say the same thing in health and fitness. Like, it doesn't matter what the person next to you uh, looks like or has been able to do like you are also on your own path and you have to deal with sometimes more than that other person you have to deal with certain other stuff that maybe that other person doesn't have to or maybe you're the flip side maybe you have less to worry about and that person is you know but with that being said is really focus on what you can provide and the day and the the amount of effort and the amount of quality stuff and the value that you're putting into yourself. And that's how you really get ahead of the game. Yeah. I, I like something that you said. I have two things to say about that. Um, you said uh, that you are bringing something unique to the table. So no matter what your competitors mm-hmm. are doing, people come to you because you're you and nobody else is you as corny as that sounds. It's, it's, there's something unique about you that somebody else could be just as qualified, but maybe just the way you talk or the way that you listen or the way that you explain things is something that only you can provide. So you have to be confident that, you know, you, you're really good at what you do and people come to you for a reason. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Like just do you and do it better, you know, better than you were yesterday. Um, and, and the second thing is that uh, a lot of times in business, you know, you, you struggle for a really, really long time. Like, let's say you started your business, you know, five years ago and your competitor started five years ago. And by year two, your competitor was killing it, you know, top of his game, whatever. And they're killing it. They're killing it. And you're just still struggling, struggling, struggling. But then you never know in business when that day will come where you're just going to boom, hit that switch and your business is going to explode. Why? Because you've been putting, you've been laying the foundation. You've been doing things correctly. You've been treating people right. You've been, you know, accumulating good client after good client after good client. And you never know. When that next client is going to be like, I love your business so much. I'm going to invest in it. Like, let's do something. Or you're going to get some sort of opportunity or the market is just going to open up and you're going to be prepared and your business is going to go from like doing okay to like destroying the competition. But you, you're you only prepared for that if you just keep grinding it out and just keep getting better and stay focused. You know, that that's, again, patience. That's a big part. I mean, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, just patience and discipline. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say overnight success, right? But a lot of time, an overnight success is 10 years oh, yeah. worth of work. You know what I mean? So, um, and I know the feeling. I know the feeling of being able to, uh, like, working every day and not seeing uh, progress. But then what happens is three months down the road, you get this big, you know, you get over this big hump. And now you're at another level, another level, another level. Um, and you start to see that that starts to become more frequent. Um so, yeah, I mean, as far as business, business is all about consistency and patience and putting in your work and putting in your time. I mean, you're hearing it from Julian that owns now multiple, right? He's part of multiple projects and he's taking the same principles that he's had with BeFit, um, not only with uh, three different projects, but also having partners, having partners and having, you know, other shareholders in a business. It's not easy. If you think it's hard living with somebody, imagine when money's involved. Yep, absolutely. So, 
Um, I've just had really good luck in that, in that respect, you know, um, it it is really hard and I get that all the time. And I, and, you know, I got a lot of, when I, when I started my partnerships, I would always get people to say like, Oh, be careful with partners, have everything in writing, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's like I said, I've had good luck because the people that I go into business with have just like such strong character and such strong work ethic. And they, you, you have to have so much trust in these guys, you know, because, you know, you really never know if, if a business opportunity is something that would, if you're doing business with someone who's might be in it for the wrong reasons, then, you know, at any given point, they could be offered something and then just, you know, leave you hanging and, or worse, sabotage you. But, you know, the people that I've gone into business with, like they've shown me through time that they just have integrity, like you wouldn't believe and like selflessness and, that's rare. I, I appreciate that so much like, because it's such a rare thing. Absolutely. And if you actually, I did a podcast with Sam Simpson, uh, Julian's other partner with uh, Beef of Biscayne. If you guys want to listen to more of the partnership realm and how to handle partnership, I really decide, I don't remember what episode that was, but um, really take the time to listen to that. Um, and you get the perspective of Sam's side of running Beef it. I mean, with that being said, Julian, Man, you have done spectacular. Like, I mean, I love doing this and I really appreciate you uh, coming on board and uh, getting on to this episode. Man, it was so much fun. I could do this all day with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, let the people, let the audience, let the listeners know how they can, uh, you know, they want to create contact or make contact with you where they, where they can reach yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm not that active on social media anymore, but I do, you know, share announcements and things like that on there. So mostly just Instagram. Uh, at B as in boy, F-I-T, B-Y-J. So it's B-Fit by J on Instagram. Uh, and then if you're interested in B-Fit, the website is We Are B-Fit. Again, that's B as in boy, F-I-T dot com. We Are B-Fit dot com. You have all the information for both gyms. Uh, and then I mentioned Hitbox 305 as well. That's in the inside LA Fitness in Pembroke Pines for anyone who lives in the area who might be interested. Anywhere you go, you're going to be treated like family. You're going to have an amazing experience. Um, I could vote for not only our, our coaches, but our amazing trainers and the communities that we build. I, that's our strongest suit. Is the, and Andy can vouch for that. The communities of people in there, they just make you feel welcome. They encourage you. You know, they hang out outside of the gym. They build friendships. And, you know, it's, it's a really, really good environment. And I'm, I'm proud, you know, to have been a part of creating it. 100% I call it the BFIT magic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so don't worry, guys. I'll make sure that I have that at the bottom of the description of this podcast so you can find it there. Um, so that's uh, at BFIT by Jay on Instagram. That's wearebfit.com and then hitbox305. Um, I guess another one before I uh, sign us out here is give the listeners either an audiobook or a book uh, for them to read that you feel can, uh, or something that you felt that really helped you out? Oh uh, man, there's, there's a lot. I, I read, I try to read as much as possible, but I think one of the, one of the biggest books that had a big impact on me that could relate to anyone is called, um, the art of war. So, you know, there's, is it, is it the art of war or the war of art? I think yeah. it's the war of That's art. It. Okay. So the, the art of war is a very famous, you know, old thousands year old book, but this is the, War of Art. It's a famous oh. book. It's by Stephen Pressfield, 
And it's it's an amazing book, mostly directed towards um, creatives, you know, artists and writers and things like that. But it's so good for the average person because it uh, first of all, it's a super easy to read. It's it's kind of short. And the way he wrote it, it's just like very easy. It's like principles and things that, you know, the real life examples. But it's basically about overcoming the resistance that we all feel when tackling meaningful projects. Right. So and that, and it's also the same resistance that you feel when you don't want to don't want to get off the couch to go go through your workout. So it's it's that like res, you know you have to do something, you know you want to do something, but you're you're scared and you're over rationalizing and you're trying to convince yourself why you shouldn't do it and and no that's stupid and but you know deep down that you should really do it. This book really really gives you clarity on what that's about and how we all experience it, experience it, and then gives you this this concept of if you if you fight that resistance on a daily basis and you win, that's how you succeed in life, you know, but you have to fight it every single day. There's not a day that you just wake up and you're like, cool, easy peasy, you know, today I'm going to do all the things I had in mind. No, like this is a daily battle. And this guy teaches you, gives you the, the right concept uh, on how to work that through. It's amazing. Highly recommend it. Awesome. And that's the war of war, art. War, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I want to make sure that's the right Perfect. title, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'll, I'll I'll look it up and I'll make sure to put it again. You guys should be able to see it down below at the bottom of this uh, description of the podcast. Um, like I always end these podcasts. Thank you, Julian, for you know taking the time out of your schedule to jump on this podcast and on this episode. Um, I mean, thank you for everything that you do. I mean, just your mindset and and your philosophy and your approach to fitness and strength and business and partnerships and just working with people is. Um, is really refreshing. And again, anytime we have a conversation, anytime we're uh, in the presence of each other, we're always learning from each other. So I really appreciate that. Um, Thank you. I mean, and Thank th- you. Yeah. A lot. no, no problem. And then, and then a really big thing that I always try to do with every episode is to really thank the listeners. So I thank the person on the, on the other side of this mic, but also I want to thank to the people giving us the opportunity to speak. Um, you could have been doing anything, just absolutely anything with your time. But right now you're driving your car, walking your dog, taking a run, um, even doing maybe your homework. I don't know. But and you're taking the time to listen to us and what we have to say. So I can't thank you enough um, for giving us the time uh, to be able to share some of our knowledge and to be able to and then to our patients and to our clients. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for um, be able to cherish our value to be able to give us the time and the opportunity to help you, whether it's with strength conditioning or manual therapy and reconditioning. Um, we love what we do. We really do it through passion. If money wasn't an issue, we would still do it day in and day out. And it's people like you that give us the opportunity to do that, to call it work in air quotations. Um, so thank you for that. And again, Julian, thank you for jumping on board. For man. sure, man. That's powerful. I love that. Thanks for having me. Anytime, man. I'm, I'm willing to do this whenever. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to do this again. Yeah, right? <laughs> go, there's so much more we can for talk sure. about. Um, with that being said, you have listened to another another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hold up.